0: Hi! How are you all doing? I hope you're having a fantastic day. You are listening to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. We're broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus on the unceded ancestral and traditional Musqueam territory in Vancouver. I am your host, Sarah Unju, and we have a show filled with interviews today uh we have zero reviews we have zero shoutouts, just interviews all around and yeah so we're firstly gonna play our interview with Nightingale and Andy Wong that we played last week but then it somehow glitched out after the first seven minutes so we're playing it again so that you can listen to the full interview. <laughs> it is a fun one, I swear. And uh, the interview is about a uh, podcast that they are producing called BIPOC Credits. Uh, afterwards, we're having uh, another interview, as I said, that Silvana did with Brendan Post. Prost. I apologize, not Post. <laughs> Brandon Prost about his film um, Heavy Petting and this film is featured on the Vancouver International Film Festival, so you can definitely check out the film after the interview if it is interesting to you. And lastly, our interview is Jade's interview with Rebecca Wang, so make sure you stay tuned in for all of that. As always, we have a quick Adam PSA break um, after 20 and 40 minutes so after um, my interview with Nightingale and Andy Wong and then after Silvana's interview with Brandon Prost we're gonna go into that those Adam PSA breaks but don't go anywhere because we're back really fast and also our Adam PSAs are quite fun if I do say so myself <laughs> okay well Without further ado, I will let you uh, listen to the interviews. Enjoy hello everyone today i have nightingale and andy wong with me hello guys thank you for joining me today how are you doing fabulous sarah
1: hello sarah Uh, thanks for having us uh yeah i'm I'm great too
0: wonderful would you like to start off by uh introducing yourself and also bipoc credits which is the reason why we're here today
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely um so my name is andy i i'm the Uh, creator and host of my new podcast, BIPOC Credits. And the podcast is about the crew members that work in the film industry. So every episode, we interview a new um, crew member working in the BC film industry, talking about their jobs and their experience uh, moving up the ranks and things like that and uh, what makes this podcast special is that every guest is a, mm-hmm. a person from a BIPOC community mm-hmm. or some form of diversity, uh, either like transgender or, uh, or queer or any anything like that and uh, the whole reason is because we wanted or I wanted a platform to be able to have these conversations about diversity and, mm-hmm. and what it means to be more inclusive in the film industry and uh it was because i was uh, working in film mm-hmm. and um heard a lot of people uh, wanting to be more diverse but then also people like complaining about the crew members that they're getting aren't being trained well enough or like don't know enough about the job to be in the position they're in and so i figured like well, the thing that we're missing here is education—a place mm-hmm. to be able to hear these stories and and understand what they're getting themselves into.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you also host the podcast, right?
1: That's right. Yeah.
3: Yes, great. Yes, this is BiPod Crisis with Andy Wong, and you are talking to the real Andy Wong. <laughs> yeah. The real one. (laughs) How about you, Nightingale? Yes. Hi, everyone. I'm Nightingale. I'm the producer of BIPOC Credits. I'm also known as Andy's second brain. It takes more than one brain to operate this podcast. Thank you very much.
1: Definitely takes more than one brain. Anyone who wants to create a podcast, heads up. You need to, at least.
3: (laughs) Yes, I agree. The reason why I was really, really attracted to this project is because, it's like what Andy says, there is a need for more education and it's also just comforting just to know that there has always been BIPOC crew members. They're just not celebrated or highlighted enough. And I know that for me, being in this field, sometimes it does feel very lonely at times because mm-hmm. you don't see a role model or at least someone you can look up to, like, for example, like a female role model. And so it's just very comforting to kind of dispel the myth that there aren't any. It's just that there are and that you just have to do your due diligence. And nowadays I work whenever I'm working on sets, I try to hire as much much diversity and inclusion as i can just so that and it does take more work but that just means you just need to put in the due diligence to do so Mm
2: -hmm.
0: yeah and so nightingale how did you get involved with this project as the producer
3: lots of talks with andy and then (laughs) we just decided all these nice deep conversations in the middle of the night need to be put somewhere
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's literally how it happened yeah we Worked on the QQ together too, and yes. and like I was just so impressed by Nightingale's like ability to make something make a project like that happen mm-hmm. and her commitment to community and everything, just like kind of made this project that I've wanted to create for some time uh, seem more of a real possibility because just seeing how she where she took the QQ is like, I mean, this could work
0: (laughs) yeah and also for anyone who did listen to that episode we did have nightingale on show before to talk about qq uh and i was just about to ask you guys worked on that together too how is working together again you
1: know the whole reason why she's back is because she's just so Awful to work with. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Totally kidding. <laughs> the whole reason why like we're we're continuing to work together is just because like we, we have such a great working relationship and um it's so easy to work together and uh, um she she's able to handle uh so much of the things that um might slip through the cracks if it was just me. Mm-hmm. Uh, hence why the second brain is absolutely needed. Yeah. <laughs> a good point.
3: Honestly, it just comes down to really good communication and just listening to what the team needs. If the team needs something and we're seeing that there could be a form or somewhere where we can streamline the process or make it efficient, then we should just listen and try to find a solution so that way nothing can hold us back.
0: hmm Yeah. And um going back to kind of the beginning where you, Andy, mentioned that with the podcast you're interviewing people every episode so you have a guest each episode um how are you guys finding these people to interview are you reaching out to specific people in the industry or can people reach out to you about being on the podcast how does that all work
1: yeah so most of the uh, guests that have been on the show so far have been people I've worked with um, in the past because I myself uh, work in the Vancouver film industry as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm lucky enough to like work as a assistant director, which my whole job is to talk to different departments and different like crew members in mm-hmm. these departments. And so um, I'm, I'm really lucky to be able to uh, uh, be connected in that way with just all these various different departments and people who work in. Uh, but um, if anyone does want to, uh come on to the podcast we're definitely like uh looking for new guests all the time and and whatnot because uh kind of the issue that we've been bumping into and also that the whole reason this podcast exists is because the diversity in uh Crew positions, like head of department crew Mm -hmm. positions, it's not great.
3: Yeah.
1: (laughs) And so, and so, um, and also,
3: another thing is that because we want to interview working BIPOC crew members, they are working. Mm -hmm. So that means that they are pretty much on the top of their game. So it's just really difficult to figure out how to coordinate their 12 to 16, maybe more hours a day. And then they need that weekend to sleep. But at the same Mm -hmm. time, it's a good thing to show other people that there is a job out there for anyone in the film industry.
1: Totally, and and what I've found is like people who are in these higher positions are usually really excited to um, excited about this idea to, to educate and to tell people about their jobs. It's just uh, getting this opportunity to the right people at the right time, as Knight was mentioning. Um, obviously, if they're on a big show at the moment, then they can't you know necessarily commit to to uh, doing this podcast um, like. For example, recently we reached out to a casting director who loves the idea but um, uh, isn't able to do it right now mm-hmm. because she's uh, handling a really good show. And so the more, I guess, the more people who uh, reach out to us and, and the more potential guests that we have, the more we are able to plan ahead and, and schedule different episodes and, and just get more of this, this information out there.
0: Mm -hmm. and currently you're focusing on the bc film industry right
1: that's right i'm uh, currently focusing on the bc film industry uh, solely because that's the industry that i'm more familiar with Mm -hmm. Uh, i think uh, the the goal the hope is that if people really like this idea and this this uh, podcast gains traction and um, other people from other uh, cities would like something like this i'd be open to Uh, talking about the details on how that might work
0: Mm -hmm. just like qq traveled from toronto to bc
1: maybe (laughs) bipod credits will travel too exactly exactly
0: yeah throughout the interview you mentioned that you're focusing on crew members in the industry rather than you know maybe the cast itself is there a reason why you're focusing on this would it be maybe because you are,
1: uh,
0: you've done more crew work or because you see less diversity in the crew?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, we it, we also do have cast members as mm-hmm. well. So it's, it is crew and cast, but uh, the reason why I, I want to emphasize the crew part of it is because I see a lot of podcasts about casts and about creators and filmmakers, mm-hmm. but not so many about... The people who actually make it happen, make these projects happen, which is the crew. Like they, They're the ones that actually spend you know, 12, 13 hours in order mm-hmm. to do the do the labor to make these big films happen. And on top of that, the whole idea behind this podcast is to help the BC film industry by creating a way for people who are interested in getting into that industry to hear about what they might expect on their first day. Mm-hmm. for example or what they might expect from the job and perhaps they might think hey that sounds really cool maybe that's for me or they might originally want to do something like that and they're like hmm, maybe that's not so much for me because I don't like standing outside in the rain for 15 hours <laughs> I want to do accounting instead or something like that you yeah. know
3: to add to it it's just a way for people to understand there's more to the film industry than just director mm-hmm. writer and actor actor yeah because like what if you're a chef and you want to, and then you realize like you can do catering because that's a big thing yeah. for all film sets if you're an accountant and you don't like your 9 to 5 job then wouldn't it be awesome to say hey i gave Andy Wong his paycheck like, i signed <laughs> off on that right imagine having a job like that where you're signing off their paperwork
1: yeah. or Ryan Reynolds you know Ryan Reynolds famous
0: <laughs> yeah i mean he's from Vancouver so
1: just could for be like your, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely you could absolutely one day sign ryan reynolds paycheck so
3: it's <laughs> <laughs> <That was laughs> just a really great way to really open up as the bc film industry is really opening up and there's exactly. just so much opportunity beyond just creating how about being doing other things too
0: mm-hmm, definitely where can people listen to bipod credits
1: we're on all the uh podcasting platforms like spotify apple amazon uh a The major ones all the major <laughs> ones i Heart radio and, and yeah all <laughs> the major ones
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and if there are any BIPOC who wants to be featured on your show where can they reach out to you
1: we uh, actually have a beacons page that mm-hmm. has all of our information you can email us and then you can also sign up we also have a newsletter uh, element of it and uh, I'll, I'll go more into detail about that in a second but yeah you can definitely uh, sign up for our newsletter and then uh, reach out to us there uh, our so, beacons yeah.
3: page is Beacons.page slash bipot credits.
1: Nice. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Beacons.page dash bipod credits. Um yeah, yeah, so this uh, slash, newsletter
3: slash slash. slash.
1: Did I not say slash? Did I say dash? Oh my god.
3: I confuse Beacons. them all the time. Dot...
1: I got confused, definitely got like
3: I will give another soundbite <laughs> and this link also works as well. Beacons.ai slash BIPOC credits.
1: Great. Nightingale, everyone. Thank Nightingale. You. Thank you. What would we What would we do without you? Right? <laughs> this
3: yes. is why you need a second brain, everyone. PSA <laughs> on the podcast. Second brain. Find
1: yes. yours now. Oh maybe God, maybe a
3: second AD in the film set, but I am the second brain.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: I
0: feel like with this interview, we learned how important it is to show that BIPOC can be involved in the film industry and also how much of a second brain is important in the creation of podcasts. Absolutely.
3: We also have a newsletter Absolutely. and we're very proud of it. Andy, yeah. you were saying. So, yeah.
1: this, this newsletter that we're very proud of, um, the reason why we're very proud of it is because the the idea of this newsletter is, is to uh, put all the information on events and resources um, in Vancouver about film
2: mm-hmm.
1: on this newsletter so people can keep track of it, uh, myself included, because there's just so many uh, events yeah. and, and organizations and communities sometimes that when one event pops up, not everyone can find it uh, just because there's just so many different places to find information these days. Mm-hmm. And so the hope, the hope is that this, this newsletter will help kind of consolidate everything. Uh, together
3: our guests have also curated a special list of resources so that way you can learn how to get their job as well not exactly get their <laughs> job but steal their job <laughs> hey if you're that good i'm sure yeah it is possible
1: you'll probably be welcome i mean it's it's about to get really busy here in town
0: (laughs) yeah so how do how can people sign up for your newsletter and find the resources
3: it is linked with every episode so if you find us on spotify there's a link to our newsletter find us on beacons beacons has everything beacons.page slash bipoc credits
0: that's amazing sounds great so thank you so much for joining me today guys it's been really nice and i hope you get to talk to so many more people and reach a lot a big audience so that you know people know that they belong in the industry
1: yeah come check it out if you guys want to learn more about the film industry and all the different roles in it thanks so much thank you
4: Discorder Magazine has been supporting local music for over 30 years. Thanks to the long-term support of the Rickshaw Theatre, Discorder lives. Your favorite bands are playing at the Rickshaw Theatre. Check out their calendar just behind the cover of Discorder Magazine or at RickshawTheater.com.
5: Thousands of opinions are at our
6: fingertips. But are all opinions informed? Does your information have a source? Is your social feed based on fact? Only facts can uncover the truth. Professional journalists are committed to balanced and non-partisan reporting, to independent commentary. They cut through the spin to give you the information and perspective you need. Journalism is essential to democracy a watchdog over the powerful, an independent voice. Journalism is more important than ever. Welcome everybody. Um, Welcome to the Arts Report. This time it is Silvana with an interview. I haven't done interviews in a while and I am really excited to have with us um, Brendan Prost, um, director, film director, and also UBC um, alum himself. So welcome, Brendan, how are you?
5: I'm really good, Sylvana. Thank you so much for, for joining and for having me on. <laughs> of course.
6: Pleasure to have you here. Um, so Brendan is gearing up for VIFF. As you know, um, if you tune in with us with the Arts Report, um, we mentioned that VIFF is coming up, the Vancouver International Film Festival. It will be um, screening films from all over the world, and also from like Canadian artists um, and filmmakers from the 1st of October to the 11th. So be sure to catch um, not only our content, but definitely every single film. I know I'll be very busy <laughs> catching as much as I can. Um, and Brendan is here to talk uh, to us about heavy petting. Um, Brendan, what can you like tell us about this title first and foremost?
5: Yes, it's a very provocative title. I'm sure we all remember in our youth, our, our mothers and fathers warning us about the dangers of heavy petting and what heavy petting could possibly lead to.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, so, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a cheeky title, right? Like it is in reference to you like, you know, uh, the kind of like the desperate, like physical affection that you like pass upon someone when you're kind of horny and desperate
2: <laughs> uh, but
5: but it's also in reference to the, the film is really interested in um kind of the role of uh pets and people in uh, companionship and uh the interchangeability of those things um, or the lack thereof uh so it's 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 definitely like a film like concerned with like gestures of affection and uh animals and love and desire um so that's sort of where the title comes from and we wanted to make something kind of provocative and cheeky i keep asking yeah. me if it's like a porno and uh <laughs> I, I don't mind people thinking that it's sort of pornographic that's fine
6: okay provocative for sure um and tell us a little bit more about um heavy petting where did this idea come from
5: um, well, I really wanted to make something that was about the distinction and degeneration between like, you know, the most common form of loneliness, like loneliness is a natural feature of the human spirit to, to long for things that we don't have or can't have, uh, to miss things in people. Um, but um, there's another side of loneliness that I've also personally experienced that is much more aberrant, that is, you know, uh, about the contemplation of you know, like your own insignificance and your own invisibility um, and ultimately can lead to a place of like, you know, a mental health crisis. Um, So I was really interested in the difference between those two emotional spaces and what the linkage is between them. um, And then how you can slip from one to the other very easily, because that's something that I, as a person have experienced uh, all the time. I, I definitely live in a place of great loneliness
2: Mm-hmm. um
5: but uh I have also slipped into a place of real like aberrant solitude and and mental health struggles
2: mm-hmm.
5: um so like putting those two things next to one another was really interesting to me and and trying to observe the moments of commonality and similarity and and when there were differences and and what it felt like to move from one to the other
6: that is fascinating um I think definitely loneliness and solitude are things that people have contemplated this whole year and a half of a pandemic um (laughs) we all know what the feeling feeling lonely feeling like we like crave some sort of connection and also like um inviting others to our private space um is really huge um what is it about um i will say that the film like <laughs> references cats I will say that I don't want to give too many spoilers but um what is this connection with cats and like loneliness and the, the personal space that you wanted to explore in heavy petting
5: yeah I think like there's this like um obviously during pandemic times like the notion of like the sanctity of our private spaces um became, much more obvious to all of us Mm -hmm. um and the notions of like physical intimacy and the sharing of like touch and not to be gross but like fluids uh (laughs) uh, became like a a a much greater kind of active risk and subversion um and the film is like very interested in um uh how people kind of transgress to form connection um through like uh, kink, through role play. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, it's also interested in like uh, how people are kind of disposable and are interchangeable in this new era of like hookup culture um, and sexual uh, liberalism that we all kind of live in and enjoy. (laughs) Um, uh, But how sometimes like um, it seems as though like people are, are feeling very like kind of modest and extremely unemotional roles for us, almost as though they were pets or animals. Like they just serve mm-hmm. as some form of like companionship and comfort and uh, and physical closeness, uh, but are really uh, not emotional creatures uh, to us uh, at all. So um, it's kind of interested in in all of these things and 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 certainly like you know in in the. film like there's two characters one is like missing their cat and the other one is role playing as this person's missing cat yeah um and it's it's really about like the the difference in those two gestures like one is like a character missing something like it's it's a very acute like kind of limited form of of longing and and loneliness like Mm
2: -hmm. yes the
5: animal is missing but this is not like a chronic ongoing sense of solitude for them. This is like kind of a momentary problem. And this other character who lives a life of really like long-term and abject solitude um, and and what the difference is between those two experiences.
6: That's fascinating. Thank you so much, Brendan. And yeah, I was definitely so intrigued by um, the references to cats for sure. <laughs> um, I'm sure people's cats and people's pets were also such an element of comfort during COVID-19 and delving more into this like COVID um, theme and COVID just related conversation, I was wondering um, how was the process of collaborating with um, the actors and other people with your film given the context of COVID-19? I'm sure you've done films before and and, like this must have been a very new um, variable to have in your um, in your process. So can you please tell me a little bit more about that?
5: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, on all, any, in all of my film projects, the actors are asked to be really vulnerable, but on, in this particular context in the pandemic, I mean, the actors are the most vulnerable, particularly in this film where the, you know, uh, the actors are sharing, uh, scenes of, of intimacy. Um, So it was, um, it was like a a kind of a a fraught and like risky endeavor that we had to do a lot to ensure everybody's comfort and like safety and particularly the actors. Mm -hmm. And this was an an exciting challenge for me because typically I like to work with actors that I'm familiar with or I've worked with before, but On this, like we took the the challenge of working with two actors that were only familiar to me in in terms of my observation of their talent and skill, um, Mm -hmm. not in terms of me having worked with them before. Um, So I was working with two new um, actors and also, um, you know, a lot of my previous film work has been extremely kind of character driven and of de-emphasized the role of like visual storytelling it's been much more about the actor's work and this was a film that's kind of the opposite it's very much about the visual storytelling um and it's not like the actor's work wasn't priority but they certainly uh, i had to do like a it was much more about kind of capturing little internalized moments with them and not about like really detailed scene study and rehearsal and improvisation that i typically do so not only did i kind of cast you know, partially uh, for, you know, the look and the visual design of the actors. Um, but also, like, I, I kind of entrusted them with more of the movie. I didn't do as much rehearsal and improvisation with them as I typically would. And I was much more kind of seeing the performance happen in real time on set. I had kind of envisioned less of it uh, completely in advance and, and let them kind of bring what they would to it. Um, and that was, like, a really exciting like thrilling and a really moving process and i'm just so grateful to two actors like Haley and sam for being so vulnerable for taking risks not just emotionally but with their health um
2: yeah. and
5: uh, fortunately i think like the process went really well Everybody he was safe um everybody felt good and nobody got sick so that was
6: the most important thing <laughs> yeah that's really important but that's also very interesting. Um, so I, I do have the press release right here. And it says that you I mean, you played a lot of different roles Well, when it comes to making this film come to life. And it is also your thesis film. Am I right?
5: That's correct. Yeah, it's my, my thesis film at UBC where I'm just finishing up my Master's of Fine Arts in Film and Creative Writing.
6: That's fantastic. And so um, being a writer slash director slash producer slash editor of the film, um, a lot of big roles to play, um, what do you feel um, of those roles speaks to you the most? And do you feel shows up the most in this film in particular?
5: Um, I mean, I would certainly say, like, I, I, my principal interest is in, as, as a director, it's like, um, you know, writing is something I do because you kind of need to do it in order to make the movie made. Um, editing is also something like I enjoy doing, but initially I was planning to work with an editor, but unfortunately they had kind of long COVID and, and they weren't kind of like healthy to, to make it. So I stepped in to do that. Um, but, you know, honestly, because, like, my background in film is is very DIY. I was, like, very, like, I was making movies as a teenager, very, like, self-taught. And when you start making movies just kind of on your own initiative, there is no compartmentalization of labor. When you think about, like, filmmaking, you just think of all the things intertwining. And so, like, when I think of movies now, I think of kind of, like, um, who are the, the people in my satellite and my orbit that I can bring in to elevate the quality of the work um, who can, you know, transform and, and like change the movie in positive ways that I'm excited about like, for instance, working with Gail Yi, who is my cinematographer who uh, I, I just like, you know, like her imagination and her skill like just cracks open endless possibilities for the movie. Um,
2: Amazing. And
5: I don't really think about it in terms of like delegation or like things I don't want to do or can't do. I I really just think about it in terms of like, we're all like on this journey making this movie and you just like bring in people because they've got better ideas than you do or they have certain experience and and talents that you don't. But for me, like kind of everything in filmmaking is very intertwined. Like I don't really think about how my role is different one to the other. Like I'm just making a movie and uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense but
6: yeah yeah it makes sense um I guess it's a very different um way of approaching the final product and I guess you are the you are the mastermind of it all so (laughs) um that's really great to hear um all that process um I have one other question, more specifically about the genre. Um, So the film, um, the short film has a very like, eerie feeling. Um, There's also very like kind of tense music. And I just, I was just very curious, um, what is your relationship to um, this kind of like, vulnerable, like personal, but at the same time, a little bit like horror-esque? A little bit like freaky um what's your relationship to these like kind of themes and this genre specifically and where do you think that will take you in the future?
5: I think, you know, for me, like um, the film like totally exists kind of in two places and, and devolves from one to the other. And there really are two like great representations of just like me and my interests. Like one, it kind of starts in this world that is like kind of whimsical and playful, like, you know, with a bit of a sense of humor um, that's a little dark, but, you know, it's not going anywhere nuts. And, <laughs> and it, it ultimately ends in a place that is quite bleak uh and quite nihilistic i think Hmm. and i i as a person kind of like live in both of those spaces emotionally um and I, i think you know as like the climate crisis ravages us as like you know the era of like political tribalism you know just like ravages us as social media is driving us all into an emotional sinkhole like i think my imagination is more and more taking me into the world of this like bleak and in this darkness. I have a lot of filmmaker and artist friends who are really interested in the role of art to kind of transform and change. And I think I'm very interested in like looking in the world as it is and reflecting it back to us and thinking about it in a critical way. Like what is this darkness? Like what is the sickness of the soul that is like manifesting in these images on screen? and I, I think, you know, more and more I'm trending towards horror and films, um, that tonally can take me in a world that is quite dark and quite bleak. Cause so that's where my, my heart sadly is at the moment. So the two features that I'm writing right now are both in the realm of, of horror, um, and thrillers.
6: That is fascinating. Thank you, Brendan. Those are also very interesting, um, roles to play. Um, I said this before, but, um, I feel like it's kind of this, I'm sorry about this reference, but this like black mirror where we like literally see us, but in a, in a different light, which sometimes isn't sugar coated, And sometimes that's just what we need.
5: <laughs> Absolutely. I think like the, you know, the ending of heavy petting is, is like, I hope like confrontational in a way that it's a call to action. I think like Um, there is like a bona fide, like mental health crisis, like both during COVID, of course, but more generally speaking, you know, the, you know, the British government now has like a department of the government dedicated to loneliness and social alienation. Um, this is not like a frivolous, like emotional problem, you know, like, Oh, millennials are sad. The internet is making us unhappy. There's a bona fide, like, emotional health like mental health crisis um happening in our world people are living in in these like silos um you know with all these pernicious negative thoughts you know and and we need to reckon with it we need to confront it this is like a problem the way that we are living and the way that we are treating one another um is a problem and i think like often like my film work has been viewed as very like low stakes because it's just about like interpersonal problems and the issues of love and connection and all of this stuff and like but this is like the stuff of life right like this is the stuff that people care about is our connections to other people and 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 not being alone in the world and um yeah i guess i i made this film and like this ending of this film to like really confront and challenge people to be like this is real. This is serious. This stuff is high stakes. And uh, yeah. yeah, sorry, that's my rant of the day, I guess.
6: No, don't worry. Oh my god. I actually, that was one of my last questions that I wanted to ask you is what did you want audiences to feel? And what did you want them to take from um, watching the film itself? So this partially like, answers it. But if you want to elaborate a little bit more, feel free. Um,
5: I, I, I guess like, I just hope like the film like forces people to confront that uh, there are people in our world and in our social circle that are uh, that either feel invisible or are made to feel invisible, um, and it's important to reflect upon like how we participate in that, how we excavate that, and and what are the necessary means of social intervention to support and assist those people. Um, you know, there's obviously different like layers of that, and in, in this film in particular, this film is a like the, the character in the second half is a, is a bisexual woman and is really interested in how bisexual, bisexuality is such like a uh, often like an, an invisible identity um, and is uh, like, uh, although there's like kind of like, it, it seems as though there is a space for like solidarity among other queer people, um, that sometimes those folks are made to feel like they don't belong and they're not included. And um, I think like the film is hopefully just like a call to action on like, who are the people around us um, who are made to feel like outsiders and made to feel like they don't belong. And what can we do to support and intervene in their patterns of, of isolation?
6: Yeah, that's really true. That's very, very important. Um, and I'm so happy that Heavy Petting is putting that message out there and really um, gonna help people reflect about this very important, um, issues that we have in our current day society. Um, so we are wrapping up this interview. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brendan, for being here with us and sharing all your insights. Um, we're su- I'm super excited to share this um, <laughs> film with everyone. I saw it in a preview. Um, <laughs> so um, it was great, congratulations. Um, but it, for people who, wants, who want to catch it on Viv, um The Vish Short Forum, Program 6, includes Heavy Petting. Um, It will be um, airing Saturday, October 9th and Sunday, October 10th um, at 6.30pm and 4pm at the Annex Theatre. So you can watch this um, collections of different short films um, in Program 6, Heavy Petting is number Um, 3. (laughs) <laughs> yes, it's great. Um, Brendan, do you want to say a little bit, some last words to our audience before before we leave?
5: No, that was great, Sylvana. Uh, thank you for shouting out the screening dates. And I just want to let people know, if, if people don't feel COVID comfortable attending a theatrical event, mm-hmm. um, it, the film is also available on VIF's digital platform called VIF Connect And uh, you can also enjoy it there if you don't want to attend in person but we'd love to see you at the theatrical screening it's so precious and rare to be able to see movies in cinemas at festivals Uh, so yeah hoping to have uh, some folks there.
6: Fantastic yeah it's a great experience so um if you feel safe, I mean. If taking every single precaution you can try to go to Viv, definitely a fantastic experience. I am very much looking forward to it. And of course, this connect um, from the comfort of your home. You are able to enjoy a lot of these um, short films and um, longer films. So it even talks with um, artists and directors. Um, so be sure to check it out and maybe get a subscription. Um, thank you much. Thank you so much again, Brendan, for being here with us. I um, hope you have a great rest of your day.
5: Thank you so much, Savannah, and to your audience for listening. Have a have a great day.
6: <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Bye, everyone.
5: The world
3: is a better place because of Kim Kardashian's empire, Cheetos, fleece material, and Discorder.
5: It's a local, independent music magazine from CITR.
6: Which means that we can print whatever we heck and want.
5: Album and live show reviews, interviews with artists, and sweet illustrations grace our pages.
3: And even you, listener, can contribute. Just visit citr.ca backslash discorder backslash contribute. You can grab it around town or read it at discorder.ca. Forever local
6: and forever free.
4: A stack of records here, a stack of records there. I got records scattered all over everywhere, but I'm looking for... Discorder magazine has been supporting independent music for over 30 years, and it keeps on living by joining efforts with local music supporters such as Vinyl Records. You can find a selection of Vinyl Records' featured albums on the back cover of Discorder and can support your favorite local bands and artists by purchasing their records. For more information on their vast selection of new, used, and rare music, go to vinylrecords.ca.
7: During the course of the exhibition, uh, access also helped facilitating the, uh, the, the Chinese subtitles for two video mm. works of art action, Yiwei. So um, I hope by like doing these by yeah doing by these small gestures when next time the Chinese elders <laughs> come in, they would find a sense of belonging when they Like, notice the Chinese subtitles. They can read the artwork. I always have a fascination about corner stores. And, um, yeah, apparently they're disappearing in a, like, fast-evolving city like Vancouver. So, um, like, for example, like, corner stores would be an interesting topic to me to research on Um, and uh, perhaps to study... Like the, the reason behind why they're disappearing and um, how it how their disappearance would impact local communities, and I also like just basically yeah things that fascinates me or or things that I find I have a hard time understanding, then I would go research on them the like the research process or the process of me making art about it would also be a process of me understanding the topic or finding out why I have a hard time understanding it. For example, I um, like for my graduation project, I made uh, a, a series of, 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 of photography work uh, around the topic of holidays. Cause I always have a mixed feeling towards holidays and, um, yeah. So I did a whole research on the tradition and the history of holidays on um, different holidays, like around the world, whether it's, um, civil or religious, like most of them are religious <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So I draw insp- inspiration from like my own experience obviously like i i ask questions like how i came to this exhibition is like i i experienced that difficulty of operating while have compromised health so i start to ask like what does it mean to other people who experience more severe you know conditions than me so i draw inspirations from my own experience but i also yeah mostly um, from things that I find fascinating and uh, there there are always like more fascinating reasons behind yeah the reason why you are fascinating about things you know so <laughs> yeah and the other things that I find uh, I have a hard time understanding or mixed feeling towards. I became uh, quite ill in the beginning of the year and um But at the time, uh, I still had to work uh, towards my graduation this spring if I don't want to delay it. So uh, that experience got me to think, um, what does it mean to make art with limited access and capacity since the school was also closed? And um, yeah, I had to kind of function despite of my health conditions. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so what happens to folks who have long-term conditions? So that got me to just uh, starting putting like terms like local artists, uh, barriers or um, yeah, access needs and uh, just start to search and like, yeah, so I, I guess the seeds of the exhibition started back then then um, it got me um, to discover Art Action earwig Week and uh, Tadafumi Tamura, uh, mm-hmm. they are, I think they're uh, both receivers of the Downtown Eastside Small Arts Grant. So mm-hmm. they were both in a show, um, yeah, to celebrate their artwork. And, and um, I think Tadafumi was also uh, part of, uh, one year, like part of the outside arts festival in the past few years. Yeah, so that's how I uh, came to know these two artists. Then I also started to kind of think around accessibility in art spaces because when I came to work at Access, they are also, they are also like still, they're still in a place where they want to enhance access of their programming. So I came, like, I came to know Tara and Goodwin's work,
2: mm-hmm. who
7: is um, advocating for disabled and neurodivergent students uh, at Emily Carr. And yes. um, uh, also photographer Nina Robertson, I, I she, I, we actually went to through the same, um, same photography class. Yeah, like as a, as a, like early emergent cura- curator, like myself, I can't really avoid <laughs> curating like my, my my classmates. So, but I also went through uh, like over one thirty submissions, like uh, mm. access submissions just for my own curatorial research. And I did um 14 studio visits before coming up with the initial list of artists. And the final list was um like the final decision, final selection of artists was made by guidance of our with guidance of our director, curator, Katie Boucher okay and uh yeah that's about the process
0: yeah that sounds like a lot of hard work the uh
7: the library project um from the library project i got to know more about local artists run centers access is one that's why i applied for it and uh yeah i i I really like the culture of artists run centers and um also, the experience of curating online content for the Climate Action uh, Network is quite a group group effort. So, and we we really want to um, empower the students who uh, who submitted to us. So, um, just try to be uh, transparent and open uh, to our audience as much as we can. And, um, uh, not like, not to like, not as, uh, like, uh, perhaps traditional, uh, traditional, uh, understanding of, uh, like authoritative curator, but more like a collaborator with your peers, but just as a facilitator to put things together. Um, so, there is a platform to showcase um people's work so that definitely informed me in this process because um i yeah i have been doing a lot of like yeah from the research phase of this project i've been reading um like about the notion of curating and how the role of curator has been evolving over the years i i Really bring. I really want to bring a sense of um, like uh, uh, like I I I want I wanted it to be a process like a collective effort, not as oh I'm the curator, so <laughs> I decide everything about this show. Like every decision I make, I run by the not every, but uh, like major or or, like, I, I, like every decision I feel may impact the way how the artwork is perceived, I, I run by the artist. So, yeah, I, I, I really want to make sure everything I can think of to be ethical and to be transparent. The main message would be um, to celebrate and just to showcase these nuanced uh, personal and communal narratives about how these individuals, artists, um, uh, like, ha- despite of uh, like intersectional positions they are in, like whether it's linguistic or access or cultural ba- barriers that they have to overcome, but uh, they also draw from uh, those things as a resource, as a source of inspiration. And um, and produce like interesting and beautiful artworks as a result. And um, yeah, and uh, one thing that I'm really glad, like I I'm proud, or yeah, about this show is the works in it are although they deal with um, heavy topics such as like the like the oppressions within. The settler colonial systems Mm -hmm. but um but at the same time they are also like colorful there's humor Mm -hmm. or some yeah a little bit childlike so also the material or medium are things that we encounter every day so there are multiple kind of access points or entry points to approach this work like these works so yeah, I I feel it's not something that you have to kind of, like, uh, it's nothing, it's not like a heavy (laughs) exhibition that people go through, like, leave with a heavy heart, so, yes, so I want to celebrate their, um, resilience, and, um, yeah just
0: their way of life welcome back everyone hello i hope you enjoyed all of those interviews so just to remind everyone we do podcast every episode so if you want to have links to any of these things that we talked about in this episode today we will have those here well by here i mean the link uh well i mean the (laughs) what did i just go through by here i mean the bio like the you know the description of our podcast episodes you can find our podcasts on spotify apple podcasts or citr.ca if you just google arts report citr it should pop up on google uh but yeah also follow us on social media we are pretty cool so why not you know why not why not give it a give us a follow <laughs> I don't know what's happening anymore. Okay, so on Twitter, we are CITR underscore ArtsReport. And on Instagram, we are CITR, And on Facebook, we are CITR. No, we are ArtsReport on CITR101.9FM. Also, if you would like to reach us for anything, you can DM us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or you can also email us at arts at CITR.ca. I check all of those things, so you will be talking to me and yeah just just thought I'd put it out there but yeah that's all from us for today our next show on October 6th will be live and Lua will be hosting so tune in next week and show her some love and until next time enjoy your day bye (laughs)
2: Drunk window smoker, tied and drooling, flapped and stunk, Pillow stroked my hand, pooling must be peas Strapped or hung that fellow, broke my grand stool dust, he seized, stung or wallowed, Hope or glands ruled my lust, seized stopping wrist or heaving clots and list, Nor seizing crap that bunk, indoor broken ride and fooling This is John M. Bennett, and you are listening to CITR-FM 101.9 in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada.